Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today's July 4th. Happy holiday for you. And yes, we are going to talk about baseball. I hope you're having a good time today. If you might hear, there is thunder going outside my window. So stay safe today. And I do want to mention, yesterday was the 300th Plus Pitch Podcast, which is absolutely insane. I started this just last year. And thank you all so much for uh, for supporting it and keeping this going um, and encouraging me to do these on the weekends as well. So thank you all so much for the support of it. I'm also a little under the weather, so this is probably going to be a quick one. Let's go here. Logan Webb, 6.2 innings, 200 runs, 7 minutes, 2 walks, 11 Ks. Really cool to see this. The strikeouts have kind of come and gone. It's the web and flow of the season where he's had these double-digit strikeout games out of nowhere, and then he goes like four the next day. Ah, there's some lovely thunder. Uh, 48% CSW on that slider was really nice, but it was most mostly on called strikes, which is kind of interesting. Not really what I'd expect, but that's fine, because then that sets up the changeup, and he's become more of like a 70% changeup slider guy with then 30% sinkers, and that's really cool. Keeps guys a lot off balance. You'd love to see it. And now he gets, uh, well, he just got the Mariners, and maybe that's why he saw those 11 strikeouts, but considering it's only 11 whiffs, uh, it's pretty cool to see that. Blake Snell is insane to me. It it's, blows my mind. Man had 11 base runners for a 5.2 whip. Sorry, 2.2 whip. Yes, in five innings. Zero in runs, though, in seven Ks. What? Um, the strike zone was just avoided by Blake Snell. He had a 30% zone rate and a 33% O swing. It is so rare to see that. Kyle Bland let me know that that is what he calls the Corbin Burns special that is fewer uh, less of a zone rate and higher O swing or, uh, yeah, higher O swing than zone rate. Yes. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Uh, Blake Snell, I want to say he's fixed, but he's not. And it's kind of one of those situations of the guy in class who just somehow still succeeds regardless of not knowing the things it's just working somehow. And it's like Frank Grimes looking at Homer Simpson. That's really the best analogy I can say. Like, how do you have such a good job and a wonderful family in this thing? And he's like, yeah, but it's Homer. But it's like, no, no, no. Blake Snell cannot throw the things he wants, yet he just had seven Ks and zero runs in five innings in 17 whiffs. I don't, it's bizarre. He's not locked in. Yeah, it's still going well. So we have him super highly ranked, not to mention that it could go super well in the future. Michael Grove against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Hey, he did well. He's back. And he threw four seamers upstairs and only a 15% CSW. But he went four innings of one run, five hits, two walks, and three Ks. The slider is so good. It's really, really good. And the curveball had a 36% CSW, but a 43% strike rate. So fine, Grove is not really something you want to chase. This was more of the Pirates. I guess for one run in four innings, it was seven base runners in just three Ks. So we don't want to go after that. I really wish he had like a really good curveball you can rely on or maybe that four seamer actually being very good but because the slider is amazing but yeah Bryce Elder against the Guardians got the win 6.2 innings of 200 runs and one strikeout and nine base runners how am I going to butter my bread with this yeah um this is Bryce Elder 245 ERA across 102 innings pitched it's insane I'm so happy he's been this Vargas rule slash Toby for you the entire year 
It's not going to last. Six whiffs and 18% CSW. We know this, but all right. He's the Spider-Man right now. Uh, Tyler Wells against the Yankees. Six innings, two and runs, five hits, two walks, four Ks. If Wells starts, we start him. He's more than a Spider-Man right now. He's like the Holly because he's just been, I think, more believable than Bryce Elder. But uh, yeah, you don't question it right now. I don't think this will last forever. And I think there's going to be a lot of debate about Tyler Wells for 2024. I'm going to be out on it, likely because it's really command focused in my view. And I don't like chasing that. But really good stuff here from Tyler Wells. Joe Ryan got a golden goal against the Kansas City Royals. Six innings, two earned runs, six hits, one walk, nine Ks. And he should have a golden goal. That is 21 whiffs and 39% CSW leading in both categories across all starting pitchers last night. It's wonderful. The slider was better with a 45% CSW across 20 thrown. The four-seamer did what it was supposed to do. The 50, the 50% strike rate on the splitter is a little annoying. However, he did throw good ones. And generally, you don't see the high strike rate on splitters. You see more of like the 50 to 60%. And they're really just to keep guys honest off of the fastball. And that's really what it did here. So that's fine because the slider really did step up as well. I don't know if the slider is that elite, unfortunately. Um, but uh, good to see him do well against the Royals. Brian Wu against the Mariners, sorry, against the Giants, of course, being on the Mariners. Six innings, two and runs, three hits, two walks, and seven Ks. As I'm shocked that we were still able to stream him at 20% rostered. Guys, go get Brian Wu. What are you doing? He throws an amazing four-seamer. 10 over 49 whiffs on that four-seamer at 45% CSW. He's doing what Christian Javier wants to do uh, with that four-seamer. However, uh, cutters and sliders... They're not that good. Uh, the sinker isn't that good. And the changeup sure went four for five strikes, but it's not that good. It's really just this four-seamer doing really well. Um, I really wish he had that secondary pitch. And I'm sure we're going to see some Bryce Miller moments where Wu does not do well for two straight starts because guys just sit on that fastball and they're able to actually get on top of it as he aims it upstairs. We'll see. But we keep starring Brian Wu for now. Uh, Luke Weaver against the Nationals got the win. Look at that. Uh, five innings, two hard runs, six hits, one walk, and two strikeouts. You can argue that was the gold star of the night because of that. Uh, good for him. But uh, it was a 140 whip with two strikeouts. So don't go after Luke Weaver. Okay, cool. Domingo Herman against the Orioles. 4.1 innings of two and runs, nine hits, zero walks, five Ks. And honestly, he was just the same as he was against the Athletics because it was a really good curveball and not much else. Uh, Jake Irvin against the Reds, six innings, three earned runs, six hits, one walk, and three Ks. The fastball velocity wasn't 95, it was 94, and I'm still waiting for something else to really step up. The curveball at 9 for 20 called strikes is okay, but it was all like middle of the zone. I think he got away with this one for this poor quality start. Jake Irvin is still not that thing for me. Uh, Braxton Garrett against the Cardinals, a little bit disappointing. 5.2 innings of three earned runs, seven hits, zero walks, and six Ks. The cutter just wasn't as good. It was just a 20% CSW, didn't jam right-handers, while the sinker command was way off in this. Uh, and it allowed some hits, and he gets the Phillies next, and I'm still going to go for that, but the command did wane here, and we've seen him have the best command lately, and that's really been the impetus for Garrett's success. So when that command wanes, then we go, oh no, maybe Braxton Garrett falters, but I think it does come back from him. He's generally been a very good command guy. He's just adding the cutter has made him that much better. Austin Cox, well, okay, if you guys know the story of me and Austin Cox, 8 over 24 whiffs in this very limited 3 innings plus that he had. Moves into the rotation, went 1 for 40 whiffs on that 4-seamer, so I was like, okay, I'm out again. Now he gets the Twins, 4.2 innings, 300 runs, 7 hits, 2 walks, 4 Ks, not really that exciting, but 7 over 46 whiffs on the 4-seamer, which is really good. That's like a 16% swing strike rate and a 14, 41% CSW on it, but no. Um, I wonder if Austin Cox can go to another team somehow. This is what I see all the time. I don't think that the Royals are that good um, at pitching development. 
And he really needs a secondary pitch here. Like curveballs win 14% CSW, the cutter 8%. But the high heater clearly works, even though it's like at 91, 92. So there's something there that hopefully another team can really extract from him because I really don't think the Royals are that team. Drew Smiley against the Brewers. Uh, he didn't do well as I was doing the list yesterday, so I already uh, understood his performance while taking into the account yesterday's rankings. Keep that in mind. But three point two innings of 300 runs, four hits, three walks into five Ks. Yeah, I don't know if you can hear that. That is the the lightning going. Um, sorry, not the lightning, the thunder. Very close though. That is like, ooh, it's right outside my door. It's fine. I love New York. Okay, uh, Drew Smiley not getting his curveball down, and until he really does, he's just not going to be good. Um, Miles Michaelis against the Miami Marlins doesn't matter. That's the Marlins because it's Miles Michaelis. Six point one innings of four and runs and six base runners and two hits, and we just do not care. Gavin Williams faced Atlanta, so do not judge him for this, okay? He had the MLB debut, didn't do well, didn't do really well in a kind of a neutral setting. Maybe it was actually a good setting, I think it was the Royals. And then now against Atlanta, and did terribly. Right, but now he gets the Royals, so maybe it wasn't the one the previous start. Whatever the previous start was, that was like, hey, Gavin Williams doing the good thing. This was 6.1 innings of four and runs, seven hits, two walks, and two Ks. Just don't, don't worry too much. He threw a lot of strikes, which is a good thing. And I think a lot of young guys don't throw enough strikes, and he's doing that. And against the Royals, I think we're going to go for this. I know he was down a tick on his velocity and of his fastball. Really don't worry about it. Okay, cool. Jaime Berea against the Padres. Five innings of four and runs, five hits, zero walks, and five Ks. Don't really care. It's interesting. He's throwing a different slider. Um, it was 85 before, and now it's about 87, 88 with more cutter action on it. We see this actually a decent amount. Some guys are messing around with, do I throw a harder slider for more cut action, or do I throw a loopier one? Uh, Demers went with a more loopier one. Berea is now going with a harder cutter one. And it worked for 7 over 49 whiffs with a 33% CSW. He got a lot of uh, uh, he got a lot of strikes on this, which is cool. Uh, and he threw 56% of them, so he leaned heavily on it. And 5 innings of 5 hits and 0 walks and 5 Ks is good. It's just 4 and runs because an 0-2 fastball upstairs to Xander Bogarts would left the yard. And that's just that, right? Um, I don't think that Jaime Berea does enough with the rest of his stuff. And I don't really think that this cutter-esque slider is that amazing. So I wouldn't be leaning on Jaime Berea anytime soon. Mitch Keller didn't do well against the Dodgers. Five innings, four and runs, eight hits, one walk, and seven strikeouts. And he sat one to three ticks down on everything. Uh, it was about 1.5 ticks on both of the fastballs, 2.5 ticks on the cutters and sliders. That is not good. Um, and Mitch Keller has been kind of this weird starter to me this entire season of the three-pitch mix of cutters, sinkers, and four-seamers are really messing with each other. And they are helping with the hard contact because batters just don't know which way they're going to go. Some guys try to do this well, but Keller's had really good command. And that's been great at the high velocity where guys literally just have to guess each time. And that's been working out for him. Now, at a lower velocity, it makes it easier for guys to adjust a little extra time. And that's a big difference, especially when he's not getting a lot of whiffs on his slider and his curve and everything else overall, really. So I'm a little worried about Keller. I hope there really isn't something underlying here. Um, he might get a lot of time off. I actually don't know if he knows. He does make one more start before the break. And it's possible the Pirates just say, you know what, take that one off. Because you were down on this velocity. Maybe there's something else underlying. So we'll see there. But monitor this with Mitch Keller because I might be lowering him on the list next week. Especially if that start against Arizona comes with the same velocity. Julio Tehran against the Cubs. We didn't want to do it. I mean, 7Ks, which is wild, but 10 base runners, 600 runs, and 6 innings because the last start was the Vargas rule ending. He hit the wall, and well, you know, now it's two in a row that Tehran isn't doing well. That's the Vargas rule. You give up when it happens. Martin Perez and Christian Javier went um, against each other. Martin Perez, we're not going to judge for because it was against the Astros, and we don't expect good things from Martin Perez against the Astros. That's not why you have him on your team. That's he's the Toby to face 
uh, all but the top two tier offenses, right? Middling in below, we start Martin Perez. That's why he's on our team. Christian Javier, you're supposed to do well, even though it's the Rangers, right? 4.1 innings, 8 earned runs, 9 hits, 0 walks, and 4 Ks. Oh, boy. Lots of talk about Christian Javier. What do we do? Um, and right now, I'm telling you, look, I, I put him on the list where he is based on yesterday's start, including it. It happened as it went. Christian Javier is in a very bad place. The four-seamer has worse movement. The slider has worse movement. The slider isn't getting as many strikes as it used to. And the four-seamer, because of the worse movement, isn't... And the slider not getting as many strikes is not getting as many whiffs. Only four in this one out of 53 thrown. He's in a bad place. Do I think that Christian Javier can't get back there? No. I think that he could have a much better second half. It's a possibility. But he has to make some sort of tweak, and he has to take some time to make that tweak. So maybe the break will help him. Maybe he'll be able to take do some bullpens and actually be able to implement some sort of fix here but something's up here with Javier and if you're in shallower leagues and you're debating man do I hold on to Javier the ceiling's really good no you don't you move on because in eight teamers there's gonna be something else that's going to give you production right now and the gap between the waiver wire production and the potential of Javier is not so great that you would take the chance for just nothing right now 15 teamers you have no choice to hold on to him so 12 teamers it's really tough it depends on what's on your waiver wire um it, it I don't know I, I, I just don't know. I understand why Javier is doing worse. Um, there are times when guys do worse and then they fix the thing, you know? I mean, we just saw Andrew Habit throw all of some of these amazing changeups out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, cool. That's a way different picture than I expected, right? So, I don't know. And uh, it's up to you to decide if you need help now, help later, if you can afford that stash or there's other things in your wire, etc. Um my gut says that Christian Javier is going to be bad for a little bit and then pick it up in like August or something like that. We'll see. I hope for him the best. It's Tuesday today, which means that this podcast is sponsored by Underdog Fantasy with their seventh inning stretch tournament. And I'm going to tell you the plays that you should be making and maybe not making for your leagues. And keep in mind, this is a best ball where pitchers, there are only three that you roster actively and then you have essentially four others that you are going to have in your roster. So very small um, lineup for just all pitchers and their points are wins, quality starts, strikeouts, innings, pitch, and earned runs. So no whip stuff, right? No walks, no, no hits, but it does go into earned runs, but the negative three of an earned run is equivalent to the three innings, three points you get for an inning. So it's a huge, huge benefit to have guys that throw lots of innings and effective ones. So my sleepers for the second half right now, based on the, uh, the ADP that I'm looking at here, uh, Sandy Alcantara is falling massively in it, and of course you guys know that I believe very strongly that he's going to be a really good pitcher for the second half. Uh, Carlos Rodon is getting overlooked, and he's returning this week, and he could be a top 10 pitcher inside this format, if not just in fantasy as well. You have George Kirby, who is just made for this kind of format with a ton of innings, wins, quality starts. Strikeouts, not as much, but still going to be a good amount that he's very much worthwhile in this. Uh, Reed Demers is now picking it up. And considering that whip isn't an issue, Detmers and Luzardo could be very, very good as well. I think Detmers is falling because of the wins that he hasn't gotten, but that's really stupid, and he should get a lot more of those. And Jesus Luzardo really is just clicking at the moment, and the biggest issue being whip is a really nice thing for underdog, where they're just not valued very highly whatsoever in this draft. Now, the busts, so I want to be careful about. These are guys I think are falling in the second half, so Max Scherzer and Clint Kershaw are obvious for this, as they're getting drafted really highly, but I don't expect them to have lots of workload in that second half relative to everyone else. Nathan Evaldi, yes, he did just go up to 96 miles per hour. However, uh, we don't know if that's going to stick around, and I feel like it's a very 
very long injury history that he's had as far as longevity through the end of the year. I would be avoiding him at his high price at the moment in these drafts. Marcus Stroman is slowing down, and I think he's been really high because of this really good first half, but he's not the same guy he was in April and May, and I would not be chasing him at his current ADP. Kodai Singh is super high, which is really surprising to me. Uh, maybe that's because it's ignoring whip here, but I think that he's too volatile for me to really go after, and Sonny Gray is also a very volatile pitcher that I don't think is much of a lock as his current ADP is, as he's going around, say, like Logan Gilbert, who I like a lot more. So join Underdog Fantasy today with promo code PITCHERLIST and receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Once you're signed up, check out Underdog Fantasy's 7th Inning Stretch Tournament, where you can build your dream team and compete against your friends for the $30,000 grand prize. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and uh, Nebraska, and present present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. 639-8783 or text next step to 53342 in New York call the 24/7 hope line at 18778 hope ny or text hope ny that is 467369 or in Tennessee call or text TN redline at 1-800-889-9789 looking forward to today and tomorrow's games Shohei Otani, Joe Musgrove, Jesus Lazardo and Logan Gilbert are the clear auto starts today Probable start tomorrow or today is Aaron Nola against the Rays. I know it's Aaron Nola against the Rays, but I think you're probably just going to do it anyway. Chris Bassett, Zach Eflin, Kenta Maeda, Emmett Sheehan, Lucas Giolito, Kyle Hendricks, J.P. Sears, and Shane Bieber. J.P. Sears is now the stream pick of the day with J.P. France getting pushed to tomorrow. And uh, Brandon Bylight going today. We'll talk about him in a second. But Giolito against the Jays is a little bit contentious. He's been on such a good stretch that I'm still going to do that. Maeda gets the Royals and Sheen gets the Pirates. And Zach Eflin's just been too good. And you don't bench him against the Phillies. And Bassett just had 12 strikeouts against the White Sox. Well, Shane Bieber gets Atlanta. And, and I might even push him down to questionable start. But he has been good lately. The, Atlanta's just so, so good. And Sears gets the Tigers. That's a really nice stream, I think, today. Questionable start here. You have Kodai Singh against Arizona. You just don't know what you're going to expect. And the Arizona Diamondbacks are a good team, even without Corbin Carroll. Um, Wade Miley against the Cubs. He could get those cutters inside. Derek Skubal, I'm so excited to watch this one today. He comes back from the IL, but it's still ill, so we can't really start him. Uh, Clark Schmidt against Baltimore. Maybe that does work. Keaton Wynn is a very sneaky stream against the Mariners. He throws splitters. That could be really good against that uh, whiff-heavy Mariners team. And then a 96-mile-per-hour fastball upstairs that gets a decent amount of whiffs. Kyle Gibson, you don't know what you're going to get against the Yankees. Same with Dane Dunning against the Red Sox. And Brandon Bialik coming up against Rocky Road does seem like it's good on paper, but Bialik is just really a change-up guy, and the other stuff isn't that great. And uh, I don't really think that Bialik is going to go very long, so it could work out if you're trying to steal a win at five innings, but he might not even go five innings in this one. And then do not start here. Kobe Allard is fresh off of eight strikeouts, but honestly... Allard isn't doing anything new that makes me think that he's going to consistently do that against the Guardians. Uh, it just is not the thing. And not to mention the Guardians are not a strikeout heavy team. So I don't want to do that one. Adam Wainwright against the Marlins. No thank you. Even though it's the Marlins, it's Adam Wainwright. Zach Davies isn't looking good and gets the Mets. Zach Granke does what he does. Patrick Corbin, no way. Kyle Freeland, no way. Luis Ortiz gets the Dodgers and I just don't want to do that. And Brett Kennedy, you don't know who that is. It doesn't matter. You don't want him because against the, the Nationals and Chris Murphy... Um, likely has an opener for the Red Sox. It's likely just a lot of relievers against the Texas Rangers. Looking forward to tomorrow's games. We have Max Scherzer, Pablo Lopez, Bobby Miller, Justin Steele, and Jose Barrios. It's obvious to go all of these, even Barrios against the White Sox. I mean, yeah, if you have Barrios, you're not going to bench him here. 
And the probable start tier, J.P. France becomes a stream pick again, um, as he was pushed from today to tomorrow. He gets the Rocky Road. Uh, I like that one. Uh, Alex Cobb against the Mariners um, works for me, as he does have, uh, well, he didn't have the splitter last time, but he had a slider working. Hopefully, the splitter returns against the Mariners. You have John Gray. I don't know what we're going to get. The slider looked good last time, but the fastball command needs to improve. It's Boston. I think I'm still going to do it. Same with Michael Soroka against the Guardians. We're still figuring out what is what are the expectations for Michael Soroka at the moment? I hope he still has a slider that he had from his last start against the Guardians. It could just be kind of like a Toby play against a middling team. In the questionable start tier, it's still ill for Eduardo Rodriguez against the Athletics. That's just the rules. Um, we don't want to generally do that, but I get if you feel like, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be placed and it's it's the Athletics. I'm going to do it. Okay, go go do what you want to do. Uh, Seth Lugo against Angels could work out considering there's no Trout here and Lugo has good fastball and curveball command. Lance Lynn, what are you going to get against the Jays? I don't know. If you need a lot of strikeouts, you're going to go for that, but I don't know, man. Uh, Brian Bayo against the Rangers. Uh, sinkers and changeups are good right now. The slider isn't, and the Rangers are very, very scary. So be careful there. Hogan Harris could work out as a stream against the Tigers. Not a high enough ceiling for me to chase normally. Dean Kramer maybe against the Yankees. On the other side is Randy Vasquez, who could throw fastballs inside to the Orioles and work for five innings. Graham Ashcraft had a really good slider last time, but the cutter command is still bad. So I don't really want to do this against the Nationals. Uh, Adrian Hauser could just chuck fastballs and the Cubs could roll over. And Tommy Henry has an improved slider and that could work against the Mets, but the Mets are a good offense and you want to be careful there. And the do not start tier, you have Taiwan Walker uh, tomorrow against the Rays. It's the Rays. I know Taiwan Walker is in crazy magic right now, but it's the Rays. You don't want to do that. Josiah Gray against the Hot Reds. I don't want to do that one, um, even though the sinker is kind of working for him. Brian Homing could pump sinkers into the Cardinals who have been kind of cold on offense. But I just feel the ceiling's way too limited here on the other side of that. Steven Matz against the Marlins. And yeah, I don't want to do that one either. They're giving him another chance, and that's nice, but I don't really want to do that. Yanni Chirinos does have some random magic with his splitter that is coming back, but the sinker and the slider are so bad, and the Phillies can pack a wallop, and Yanni Chirinos doesn't go long when he's off and open for. It's just not a fun thing. Uh, Patrick Sandoval has not really made it work with his slider and his changeup. And he gets the Padres, who aren't as impressive as I've thought they are, but still not a team you really want to face. Uh, Naren McCollin, I think is how you pronounce that. I don't know. He's going in place of Bryce Miller for the Mariners. And he's a sweeper guy at 81 with a changeup. He throws the lefties. That's kind of slow at 81. Decent lateral movement all across the board as he throws a 90-91 mile per hour sinker. I don't think it's that good of a sinker. I don't think the stuff overall is that good. He had six strikeouts and three innings against the Yankees but uh, in relief. But yeah, it's just not not enough for me. Um, as he goes against the Giants, I think it's not a start you want to chase. Alec Marsh does have some interesting things as he goes against the Twins, but I just have no faith in this. I'm going to want to wait until Marsh does something really exceptional, and then we can maybe have a discussion. Osvaldo Baido goes against the Dodgers, and he just got destroyed by the Brewers, and I don't want to go after that. Cal Quantrill against Atlanta means Atlanta, and Chase Anderson gets the Astros, and absolutely not. All right, that is it for today. Enjoy July 4th. I said it would be a short one. It's not. It never is. Uh, so that is it for today. So my name is Nick Pollock, and may your baps be low. And your strikeouts high.